Amen. Great. Great. Good morning. It's just been great. Thank you, Paul and Nicola and Puma for leading us just in a, a lovely, sweet time of worship and um, just that it seemed just to be a stillness in, in our, our worship of and, and like a commitment of there is none like you and, and all of my days I want to. And that, that uh, hopefully that is the prayer of our hearts. And, and as we continue on this theme, we want that to be more and more the prayer of our hearts that that uh, as we as we go deeper um with him that uh, we just fall more and more in love with him um we're continuing on our series put uh, into out into the deep or into the deep and um it comes from Luke or just a time we sought the lord and we felt that it was a time just for Luke chapter 5 verse uh, 4 where where Jesus um tells the disciple to to put out into the deep another time go for it another time go uh, go where you've tried before and uh, a couple of weeks ago I had the privilege of being down in Cavan and and just um, speaking with the group that's meeting there my brother is part of of leading a new church within the the town of Cavan and uh, it's just amazing just to see the hunger within people from all different backgrounds just a desperation to to know God uh, more. So uh, I trust that you're delighted to be here this morning. I trust that you're you're eager um, to to hear from from the Lord in some way, as as I am. Um, I I've been sort of stewing on some thoughts over the last week in the anticipation to speak in a couple of weeks' time. But uh, little did I know it was going to be just I was going to have to bake this cake as as soon as I as I have. But um, that's that's okay. Um, putting out into the deep is something that is new for us all, or there's a sense of newness uh, with it, with it um, as God is calling us into a deeper place with Him. And uh, it's something that we want to do, and we endeavour to do as a family together, not just individually, but as we 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 do it together. The Bible talks and. Hebrews about spurring one another on. Hebrews 10 says that. Um, and really what we're called to do is to motivate each other into going into that place of, that place with the Lord. That, that deep, that rich place with the Lord. Over the last uh, couple of months, um, we've been asking as a church, what, what's next? Because uh, it was a big thing for us to move here it was a big thing for us to to step out of where we were at and to move here but but who knows who who believes in their heart you know you never just step god's asking you always to take another step isn't he he never just asks you to take one step there's always something beyond and so we're consciously asking the lord um right we've moved here right now lord what's next what what is what's your heart for our community What's your heart for the people that we uh, have been called to serve? Because we're all called to serve each other in some other way, but we're not just called to serve ourselves. We're called to serve the community around us. You see, I shared this a couple of weeks ago in Cavan. Good ideas aren't just enough. And good ideas aren't always God ideas. And what we we're longing for and we're desperate for is, is God ideas. What does God want us to do? Um, and sometimes we need to go beyond the surface. 
to hear those things. Sometimes we need to, to go into the deep. We need to go into the deep places. And personally, for me, it's caused me to go into a place of prayer. Um, Thursday night was fantastic. And I just don't mean it as some sort of event where we got together. It was just a great time for us to worship and to to uh, pray together and, and in some way hear God's voice prophetically. And I shared on Thursday night that whole idea. I've been in the office most of the week um, working with my work. And up in the background, we always have Sky News on. I don't know why, because they just repeat the stories over and over again. But on Tuesday and Wednesday, they were talking about this great exploration of the Indian Ocean, where um, uh, this, this team are, are going down into depths that have never been gone before to see what's going on underneath the surface, to see what's going on down in the depths. And uh, the, the missions director says it's, it's so important for us to delve into the unknown and to discover secrets of the sea. Is there a cost involved, a huge cost involved in doing this? Is there a sacrifice involved? There's a huge sacrifice involved. Is there an inconvenience? There's an inconvenience for all those people who are going to spend months at sea to do this. Is there an element of risk? Of course, there's an element of risk when you're going down into the depths. Do you know um, there is only 5% of, of um, the sea that has been explored? They can draw maps of Mars, the whole surface of Mars, and yet only 5% of our oceans have been um, explored. I understand the fact, and we understand the fact as leadership, going into the deep will express itself in different ways for us all. But for me, I want to hear his voice. I want to hear his leading. I want to to know his guiding. I, I even want to know his comforting at times. Hands up who in here needs his comforting at times. Hands up here who is sometimes feels they're out of their depth in uncharted waters, and they need to know his comforting. And uh, as, as I endeavor to th- do this, I want to live out his plans and purposes, not just for my life, but for the people around me. I want to, to know his plans and purposes for my neighbors. I want to know his plans and purposes for my community. I want to know his plans and purposes for my, my colleagues, my friends, my, my business associates. Because we are here for a fleeting time. We are on this earth for a fleeting time. And as I've said, I don't know what that really looks like for you going into the deep, but that's what it looks like for me. Joanne was at Breathe yesterday. I don't know whether any of you heard about what Breathe is. It's a ladies' conference that was held in Portadown. And, uh, and uh, she was quite um, encouraged at that. And they, what they talked about yesterday was legacy. Legacy. You see, how we live today, how we act and react, how we engage in people, with people, will affect somebody's tomorrow. You might not think that, but it will affect somebody's tomorrow. That is a hugely sobering thought. How you react in a situation, 
how you act towards a person is going to affect their tomorrow. How you act and react. I loved on Thursday night. Thursday night, we, well, Jeremiah 3, 33 was shared. Listen to what it says. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you and show you great and unsearchable things you do not yet know. It's a promise, isn't it? Not the word you use, Ronnie, promise. Call, and I will show you. He says, I'll not only show us, he'll tell us unsearchable things. The message translates the last part of that. It says, things that you could never figure out or work out on your own. Anybody in a situation where you can't figure it out? Anybody ever been in a situation where you're like, I seriously don't know how this is going to pan out. I don't know how on earth this is going to work out. And God's promise is simple. Call to me. Draw aside with me. And I know sometimes that's easier said than done. I've got three kids and a house and a mortgage and a job and all those things that, that life brings. And sometimes it's hard to get time. It's hard to get time. But there's a cost to be paid. Like those people who are going to go to the depths of the Indian Ocean, there's a cost to be paid. It's going to maybe inconvenience you in some way. You might have to be persistent at times to get to that place to listen to him. You might have to, to, to sacrifice at times to get to that place. There might even be an element of risk. What if I don't get the answer? What if I don't get the answer that I think I'm going to get? I love Isaiah 49 verse, 30, uh, verse 23. It says this, those who hope, and that hope can be expanded out into those who wait, trust, and build their lives upon, upon me. This is what the Lord says. Will never be disappointed. Will never feel as if they're cut short. So, in one way I believe God has drawn me into a deep, in one way I believe that God is calling me, sorry, into, into the deep is by me carving out some time within my day and within my week to um, intentionally wait on his voice and his ways. We see we need to be in a place where we're still. We need to be in a place where we wait. And we need to be in a place where we're listening. Now I'm a man. That's my default. And sometimes us men, we're told things and we listen. But sometimes we're not really listening. That's the truth. And God is ever speaking. And sometimes we think we're listening. But sometimes I have to question myself. Am I really listening? I hear the words. But am I really hearing what he wants to say? There's no point in God speaking to me if I'm preoccupied and not prepared. And that's what I have found about those still moments. I have particularly enjoyed the living room, I have to say, because it's a place of stillness. It's a place of quietness. And there's a place just where where I intentionally want to be, to hear, to 
his voice. We're all in the new year, aren't we? We're all a wee bit more conscious about what we're eating or we're trying to get healthy and, and, uh, and all this. You see, to be intentional, the other word for intentionality, Colossians uh, 3 verse 2 uses it. It says, set your heart or set your mind. And the greatest definition or the best definition that I can give for that is, is, is those of us who are trying to be a bit more healthier uh, as, we, as we enter a new year. I don't like the word diet because the word diet refers to outside. Healthy refers to inside. So it's healthier living. It's not, it's not dieting. It's a healthier lifestyle. We're all, we're all so consumed about what's on the outside. And yet we need to be consumed what's going on in the inside. But a person who, who, who uh, succeeds at, at a healthier lifestyle, you can use this maybe in other areas of life, but this is the best one that I can use. They set their mind. Those who achieve it set their mind. You know what that means? That means that you're not dictated to by your emotions. So a person who has set their mind on a healthier lifestyle, if you ask them in the morning, what are you going to have for lunch? Their response is not, well, whatever, whatever I see and whatever I feel like eating. Their response is, they've already determined the night before what their lunch is going to look like. They have set something in motion because they have a particular task in mind. Does that make sense? It does to me. And so we need to set our mind. We need to set our minds. We need to be determined to hear the voice of God. Some of the, these are just some of the thoughts that I've been having over the last couple of weeks. And I want to just leave them with you. I've been thinking about the life of Jesus. And uh, Jesus', Jesus life. 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry. For, pub, for three years of public ministry. Doesn't really sound like a great success story, does it? Wasn't it wouldn't be a story you would get a huge following on Instagram about or high ratings on social media of any day of today. But the one thing is if we look back over his life, we see it was a life of incredible depth. It was so deep that we're living in the ripples of it today. Two thousand years on. And the question we're going to come to at the end is, who's going to be living in your ripples 2,000 years old? What's the legacy that you're going to leave behind? I loved what David started out with. The legacy of a couple of men who, who prayed. I loved the challenge that he set out. Would there be a couple of people here within this room that, that God would just use to spark that flame again? And revival would hit our area, presence, the kingdom of God would come in. But I think there's four things that I just want to mention here about the life of Jesus that kind of kicks against the modern idea of following Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, when Jesus is 12 years old, and there's every year Mary and Joseph had to go back to Jerusalem, it was a customary thing to do. And then they left 
And on their way home, they realized that Jesus wasn't with them. And so they spent three days searching for him, and they found him in the temple. The question was asked of Jesus, why, what on earth are you doing here? And uh, his answer was, I need to be, many translations are many different ways, but I needed to find out about my father's business. You see, Jesus needed to know the father's business. And I think we live in an age where we think it's all about our business. It's not our business. It's the father's business. And he, he positioned himself, he was teachable, and he positioned himself because he was hungry to know the ways of the Father. And I think we need to think about that a wee bit and stew on that a little. Because I think the modern church sort of tells us, you can be whatever you want, and you can do whatever you want. I don't see that in the Bible. And I don't even see that in the life of Jesus. His his plan, Jesus' plan for his life, was found in God's ultimate plan and purpose for humanity. And so he had to be, he had to push himself as a young man, as a young person, and I suppose I'm pointing that towards younger people, young people in the faith. You need to have yourself in a position where you're going to know and learn about the ways of God. And that leads me into the next point, that uh, in Luke chapter 4, right after Jesus is baptized, and he has this great, this great prophetic word comes from heaven. We're in an age where we love prophetic words. And that there, I, I, I'm all up for the prophetic word. And, um, and the prophetic word is spoken over Jesus' life. God speaks from heaven and says, this is my son, I'm so well pleased with him. And the next point that we read where Jesus is, he's led into the wilderness for a time of testing. I don't know where you're at in life, but I'm sure in this gathering of people, there is people who are in a time of testing. Time of testing isn't easy. 40 days and 40 nights, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into a time of testing. And so what, he, what happened with Jesus in that time was he had an opportunity to prove the word of God. You see, it's not a known good enough just to know the word of God. As important as that is, you need to prove the word of God. When the times of testing come, when the trials come, when the pressures come on the outside, what I have observed by myself is what's inside comes out. What I believe on the inside actually comes out. We, we, we know all that story. You can read it yourself, but the end result of that was that he, went, he was led by the Spirit into the time of testing. And then he returned out of that time in the power of the Spirit. And that's what testing does. It changes the Word of God from being here to being something that's welded inside your life. Something that you can live upon. You know, he not alone listens to the word of God and he not alone takes ownership of it, but he 
stakes his life on it. The next point that I see about Jesus is this idea where he withdrew from the crowds. He withdrew from the crowds. He will definitely not get a high rating on social media for this one. In Matthew chapter 14, one of the greatest times this is recorded is in, in Matthew chapter 14 where he, we, we read Jesus is so pressed with the crowds that he actually goes off, away off the beaten track. But 5,000 people follow him. And what he does is that he looks upon the people and he has compassion on them. And uh, he takes uh, five loaves and two fishes and he ends up creating an incredible miracle. And uh, he's just performed uh, one of the greatest miracles in the Bible. And the next thing what we do here he does, instead of jumping on the bandwagon and saying, wow, I've got 500 5,000 people following me and wives and children. I could start the greatest movement here on earth. He dismisses the crowd. And we read he goes off up a hill to a lonely place and prays. He understands the importance of staying connected with the Father. Even that was even priority over people's needs. Within them 5,000 people, do you not think there was lots of needs? There's maybe lots of healings that needed to be performed, lots of counseling, lots of situations that needed to be prayed for, lots of people that, that needed help in, in all forms and fashions. Would it not have been a great time for Jesus to start Kingdom Come to Earth Church? This is it. This is our kickoff day with 5,000 men and women and children. And he says, no, that's not priority for me. Priority for me is the presence of God. And then I think the fourth thing that I think is important to note about the life of Jesus is his obedience. He was always obedient to the Father. And I think it's important for us as a church to talk about these things because it's kind of countercultural at the moment. It's kind of not spoken about. He said in John chapter 12, I only speak the words of the Father. I don't speak my own words. I'm sure he had plenty to say. And yet he says, I don't speak my own words. I only speak the words that come from the quiet place with him. And then he also says, I don't do my own will. I only do the will of the Father. And if that's the way he lived in, in his life, that life of great depth, then how do, we, how do we measure up? You know, his greatest act of obedience, we see the agony and the pain and the sorrow that that caused was, is demonstrated in Luke chapter 22 where he, he prays in the garden. And he prays so, his prayer, prayers are so agonizing, they're so, they're so filled with grief that it says he sweat blood drops. And that's, that actually can happen to a body, although I've never seen one or heard of a person being so agonized. And yet he goes on to say, yet Lord, not my will, not me first, Lord, but you first. And what I've found is that as I've studied these things myself, I've questioned myself, how do I measure up? How do I measure up? Because it's fine saying all that, 
It's fine acknowledging that that's the way Jesus lived. But yet, I want my way. I want my plan. I want God to fit into the section of my life that, that suits me best. I want to do whatever I want on, without thinking about how it affects someone else. And, that, and I suppose we're going to get together on Thursday night and, and maybe we can chat some of that stuff out. How does, how does going into the deep look like for you? What does, what does the sacrifice, what is the commitment, what is, where, where, where is the struggle for you in the midst of measuring your life up to that, Jesus? But anyone who, who gives of all these things in the kingdom of God will never be a loser. I want to say that also. We might seem as if we're losing in the short term, but we're not in the long term. If you're, if you're with me on these four points, and you're thinking, actually, I maybe need to re-acknowledge these in my life, then, then I, I feel that God has a word for you this morning. I really do. I really feel, as I was preparing this, that God has a word for you this morning. And uh, Amy and, and David and Neil and myself, we met together on Tuesday morning. We, we try and do that most Tuesday mornings, just to wait upon the Lord, and to discuss just some things that's happening around church or church program. And Neil decided this Tuesday that we wouldn't start talking. We would just pray. And in that prayer time, God reminded me of a story in the Old Testament. It's the story of Samuel, the young boy. And um, I'm not going to take time to go into the whole story. Because it's uh, there's so much that... Uh, could be spoke upon in it, but it's found in First Samuel. The last day I spoke here, I talked about a man and a woman who were desperate for a child. Well, Samuel was the result of a woman who was desperate for a child, who longed for a child. And, and she promised God that if God gave her a son, that he would give the son back when he was a right age. He would give, she would give the son back to God, and he would serve in the temple. Um, she would leave him there, and that's what she did. And we crash into to this story when Samuel is a young boy. Don't know what age he is. And he's in the temple, and he's serving with Eli, the old prophet. And the old prophet, we read that his lights, that his, we read that the light was going dim. And the uh, and the old prophet was old as a, a metaphor to say that he was of an age where time was running out, and, but the young boy served under him. And one night the young boy is lying in bed, just serving as he's called to do. But one night he's lying in bed and it's late on in the evening and he hears this voice as his name has been called. And he responds and he says, I'm here. And he runs to the old prophet. The old prophet's probably in another room and, and goes to, to, to Eli the prophet. He says, I'm here, you are calling me. And Eli the prophet says, no, it wasn't me. Go back to your bed. And the voice calls him again and uh, Samuel. Samuel says, here am I. And he runs to the prophet, and the, or to the priest, sorry priest Eli and he says to him here I'm here 
And Eli says, I, I didn't call you. Go back to your bed. And, and this happened again. And uh, on the third time, the light went on with Eli. God is calling you. Yeah. Samuel goes back. Eli says to Samuel, go back and wait on the voice of the Lord. Go back, wait, and listen to the voice of God. And, uh, and he did. And the voice spoke again. It was the Lord, and he said, Samuel. But this time Samuel responded differently. He said, here am I. And God spoke to Samuel. And Samuel did what the Lord commanded him to do. But I love the posture of Samuel within this story. He's in a quiet place. He's ready to listen. And he does what he's told. And I really sense that that's the time we're in. We're in a time where God wants to speak. But you've often heard it said, God's a gentleman. And he'll not force his way where we don't welcome him. I love the fact that, um, that God is no respecter of ages. And just because God spoke to you 20 years ago, 30 years ago, five years ago, I still believe God wants to speak to you today. And we need to take that posture of wanting to listen. You see, God doesn't just want to lead us with his word. He wants to capture us with his word. And he felt that in the middle of the night as, as I woke thinking about speaking here this morning. You know what it is to be captured by something? When you take a photograph, you capture a scene. And they say a photograph will tell a thousand stories or tell a thousand words. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to capture us. The result of the story of Samuel was the word Hearing the word, obeying the word, captured that young boy and set his life on a trajectory. He became a great prophet within the nation. He had a huge influence, all because he waited. He waited in the darkness. He waited in the loneliness. He waited in the quietness. He listened. He was ready to listen. And he responded to God's word. Is that okay? Can I leave that with you? And then on Thursday night as we come together, we maybe work that out and work out among ourselves what's God saying to you at the moment? Where's God leading you? What is your maybe darkness? What's your trial look like? And how can we, we work this out? How can we spur one another on as we journey towards what God has called us to do? He's alive. He wants to speak. He wants to not alone just lead us, but he wants to, to use us in such a great way. But we must be within his ultimate plan and purpose. We must know what that ultimate plan and purpose is. And if we don't position yourself like Jesus, be about your father's business. Don't let on you know it. Position yourself to know what it is. Be obedient to it. Hunger for it. And then live it out in every way. Amen.